All right, once again, good morning. We are so glad that you are here today. You know, in a room this size with this many people, we don't get a chance always to come around and personally thank you for being here. But let me do it from the stage. Thank you so much. If you're a regular member, thank you for being here today. We appreciate your faithfulness. If you're one of our extended family folks, glad you're here today. And if you're here for the first or second or third time, Thank you for choosing to come and worship at Dorsville Baptist Church. And we pray already that you've been blessed through the wonderful worship of our living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Can't, you know, if, you're, if you're quandering, I don't think you do because everybody goes to church on Easter, you know. It's kind of like the American thing to do. Um, but, but, but if you're wondering, should you go to church to eat at Easter, come to hear that song. Because that's such a powerful Powerful statement of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just incredible. Well, listen, we're in about week number three. I've said on the front row going, is this the third week or the fourth week? No, it's the third week of our study into James. And, of course, James was written by... You guys are incredibly biblically intelligent. I tell you what, that's right. James was written by James, and James was the half-brother of our Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Imagine that now. That means that, that James' big brother was the Son of God. Imagine growing up with him. And he gives us an incredible, incredible insight into the Word of God. Now, last week we talked about trials, tribulations, and temptations. Oh, my. Come on, try it again. Trials, tribulations, and temptations. Oh, my. And we showed a clip from The Wizard of Oz. Do you remember that? You know, that wonderful movie we used to skip church to see on Sunday night? Well, we wanted to give you just a little bit different perspective of that same story. See if you recognize anybody in this clip. Do you suppose they'll meet me wild animals? Mm, we might. Animals that eat straw? Maybe, but mostly lions, tigers, and bears. Lions and tigers? And bears. Oh, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. Lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, Get up and teach him a lesson. What's wrong with you teaching him? <laughs> All right, okay, okay. You really couldn't see their faces, the makeup's so good. But the scarecrow with the girl voice, you know who that was, don't you? That was Tyler. No, oh no, Mr. Ryan, I'm not afraid of you. You know, all right. And then the lion was Ross Layton, and then Ryan was the tin man. And here's the scary part those are young leaders in our church now. Oh, this is incredible. This is incredible. Well, today we want to move past the, the trials and tribulations. And, but do remember this. We'll talk about it in just a second. And that is that the, you know, we have to count all joy. We have this peace and well-being when we go through trials because it produces endurance. And endurance is not just like, I think I can. It's faith stretched out. It's our faith in God being stretched out, not for a month or two months, but for an entire lifetime. It produces endurance. So that was last week. This week we're going to talk about Victory Lane or Joe's Junkyard. Victory Lane 
are Joe's junkyard. Because see, James goes on and teaches us now that there's going to come an, an end result. Every race has a finish. Every story has a conclusion. And so he wants to teach us today that we can choose largely what the conclusion of our story is, how the finish race looks, finish line looks like in our race. Now, everyone knows what the victory lane looks like. If you'll throw that picture up there for me, Ronnie. There you go. Now, I told him, I'm not really a NASCAR fan. You know, something about just watching guys drive around a circle for three hours. I, I don't get it. I tried. I really did. I tried. And I said, I tried. I don't know who number 18 is. Okay? By that, I tried to make sure he didn't have any beer advertisements on his car. Okay? I don't, I don't see any. I think we're okay. You who number 18 is? Cal, Cal, is that a good one? Is he a good guy? Okay, good. I hear that. Well, okay. I don't, you guys fight over drivers. I know that. If, you know, if, if my son-in-law, Jonathan, was here today, he goes, well, I ain't going to have Jeff Gordon up there. Oh, Jeff Gordon, you know. And all the women go, oh, Jeff Gordon, he's so cute. But anyway, all right. So, so, so that's one place we can end up. We can end up in victory circle, you know, throwing our hands in there saying, yes. Or we can end up in the junkyard. And particularly Joe's junkyard. All right? And, and it really depends on what we do and how we live out the Christian life through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. This, listen, this is an incredibly important message. Really, the first part is cool because we learned about what James says about ending up in victory lane. But I'm going to show you through the Word of God how so many of us end up in the junkyard. Unless I forget to tell you, that was a classic sitting there. Did you notice one of those old cars from the 30s? I'm glad to report that even if you end in the junkyard, there is forgiveness and grace and God's restoration power. That's the good news. All right? So let's take a look at James chapter 1, verses 12 through 18 today. We'll keep her moving until we get out close on time this morning. Here we go. First off, I about, about kind of realized that nobody does points anymore, but these like popped in my brain, so we might as well throw them out there. On your sermon sheet, which is in your bulletin, first off, we start with the winner's way. The winner's way. Here's what it says. A man who endures trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. May I read it one more time? A man who endures trials is blessed because when, when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, an important part is to realize this. And I wrote the word helps. You know, if you're going to be a winner, it helps to think like a winner. If you're going to be a loser, you think like a loser. But it helps tremendously to think and act like a winner. And a key part of that is, is that stretching out of faith. The key part of our life with Jesus Christ is when we allow faith to be stretched out and we trust God and allow God to live through us. Now James says, a, a man, a believer who endures trials. Now there's our word. There's our word. Endures trials. That doesn't like, oh, I think I can make it. Maybe I can make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it. No, 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 no. It's endurance. It's endurance. Endurance. It's faith stretched out and saying, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I know what the circumstances say, but God, I trust you. I know what people say about me, but God, I'm trusting you. I know what Satan says about me, but God, I trust you. And that endeavor, that journey through a trial. So the man who endures, who has faith stretched out in a trial, is what? Blessed. Blessed. Now, this is a great word. It's closely akin to that word joy. Now, you remember last week? 
I taught you something that I think was really strong, and I hope you'll remember because I'm going to tell you again in case you didn't. Joy is not the big smile and a perky step in the midst of a trial. Come on, come on, come on. We all know this. When life is hard, do we sit there and go, you know, everything's okay. You know, I'm, I'm perky, I'm smiley. I don't care if I got the flu. You know, you know, I, I'm, you know, it doesn't work. Joy is peace. Joy is well-being in the midst of that storm. And, and the way that happens, we'll talk about it in a moment, but way that, the way that happens is that we are trusting God. We're trusting God. So he's blessed. We have this well-being. Now, now, the cool part is, is that one is that trust factor, but it plays out like this. One is carefree. Now, again, not throwing, not throwing circumstances to the wind, not saying, okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. Not at all. What if, what, if, what if Brent came up and said, Dwayne, I want you to know something. I have put a trust at the bank. And in that trust, if you live to be 150 years old, which given the Taylor genes is highly unlikely. But if you live to be 100 years old, I have put enough money aside, okay, for you to never worry about your electric bill again. Never. I mean, I don't care if you leave the air conditioner on, Brent smiling. I don't care if you leave the air conditioner on. I don't care if you turn down to 50. I don't care if you leave every light on in your house, which, as you know, we mostly do anyway. And so, so no matter what, I want you to know something. You don't have to worry about your electric bill, okay, because it is paid. Guaranteed. Now, am I going to walk around my house going, oh, no, well, how am I going to pay the electric bill? Oh, turn that lights out. Honey, set that air conditioner thermostat on 90 because I just don't know. No, 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 no. There's a carefree-ism because I know it's taken care of. The word blessed there, a man who endures trials is blessed. There's a carefree-ism, not because Brent's paying my electric bill, but because Jesus Christ paid it all. There's a carefreeism there is because my God is bigger than anything I'm going to face. Nothing, nothing, nothing catches God off guard. And as we said last week, there's never a oops and no whoops surprise with God. So I can have I can have breathing room. I can have freedom. I'm blessed because of who my God is. Is. But but also it goes one step further. It's that grace thing. It's that grace thing. It's knowing that I am I am being held by God's grace. That that Satan can huff and puff and try to blow my house down, but he can never have my soul. I may go through trials and temptations this life. We're going to talk about Job a little bit tonight at the high school. I may go through some of that. But my God is greater than Satan a zillion times over. So that's what it means when he says blessed. That the person who endures, whose faith is stretched long in trials is blessed because when he passes the test, time out. Did you see that? He didn't say if you pass the test. Now we all know, come on, come on, come on. We know that, that if I'm sitting there and I'm trying to do it, if I'm sitting there and I'm trying to live the Christian life, I'm trying to keep the rules, I'm trying to be like Jesus, I'm trying to do it all right, we kind of fail, don't we? We would fail the test. James could never say, if that was the case, that when he passes, it would be if he passes. 
But James seems to be teaching something. He seems to be teaching that there's a way that says not if we end up in winter's circle, it's when we end up in the winner's circle. And that is all because of Jesus Christ. It's all because he's already won the victory. Amen? He's won the victory. And when I allow him to live it through me, I also experience his victory. It's incredible. It's incredible. So, so when you pass this test, and that test is always God's purpose. God's always working out things in your life to make you more like Jesus Christ. He says, so, so when you pass a test... He will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. Now, it's cool to think about the fact that somewhere out there, there's a crown. Okay, like we're going to get to heaven, you know, and we've got the little crown that we can wear. And we're going to be cool and cast out at the feet of Jesus, you know, because He's worthy of all and we're not. That's most likely. I could not find a commentary or a theologian who said that's what this means. What you've got to understand is the crown of life is the life. The crown of the reward is the life. The reward is what God is going to do through us when we are followers of Christ and allow Him to live it through us. When we allow our faith to be stretched long, when we endure that way, when we pass the test, the end of the test is a reward. Now you know if you're teachers, there's rewards at the end of the test. Sometimes they're like A's. And sometimes they're like, not A's. <laughs> sometimes you get out there. Do y'all still do the red pen thing? You know, back that night, we didn't have F's. See, down south, we weren't quite that smart. We couldn't make that far down the alphabet. We ended with E. And it didn't stand for excellence. I'm not even sure what it ever stood for. But I think it's like after, you know, they ran out of letters, they said, well, let's use E. And that means you failed. All right? So an incredible truth. He says, there is a crown of life. What is that? Okay. I'm going through a trial. I trust God no matter what. The trial, and by the way, who's got his hand on the button? God. The trial is over. And when I pass, there's a reward. And it's the crown of life. The first one is this. It's the abundant life. It's, it's John 10.10. 10. You remember that one? Jesus said, the thief comes. What he wants to do, he wants to steal, and he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. But I have come that you may have Life and have it more abundantly. He's not talking about zillions of dollars. He's talking about an incredible relationship with Him that surpasses understanding. It's the ability to walk through this world with all its troubles and trials and this wonderful, incredible faith that says circumstances will not dictate who I am. My Father dictates who I am. It kind of looks like this. Listen to, to Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Now that is faith stretched out. That is faith stretched out. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth his fruit in his season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That's the crown that God wants to give. He wants to give you the abundant life. And it's not a carefree life in the sense that never trial, never tribulation. 
It's the ability to walk smack dab into the furnace like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and say, Hey, Kingo, turn the puppy up because you're not in charge. God is. Hey, Satan, go ahead and throw your stones because you're not in charge. My God is. Hey, Bubba, throw your rocks at me. Hey, world, throw your rocks at me because I got news for you. You're not in control. My God is. That's incredible, guys. I, I know, I know, I know, I know. We're like the Jews. We totally associate um, health and wealth and an ease of life with God's blessings. Some of the greatest Christians I know have gone through the greatest trials of life. Because that is not what God's talking about. It's all about Him and relationship with Him. And so the winner's way is, is I trust God. The winner's way is, I recognize the reward. And it's not like Satan offers, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, he told Jesus. No, no, no. It's what our Father gives. Close, intimate relationship. If you're married today, and you have a close, intimate relationship with your spouse, you're a lucky dude. You're blessed. Amen? You're blessed. So that's the winner's way. It's recognizing what the Christian life is all about and enjoying it. Heaven's going to be great. Yay! But I'm so glad God works now. Now. He wants to give you the abundant life now. Wow. Okay, okay. I like this one. Loser's lament. The loser's lament. His, his wine. Not W-I-N-E. We're bad. W-H-I-N-E. The winner's wine. Oh, oh, if, oh, oh, oh. Here's what it says. Watch. No one undergoing a trial. Let me pause there. It's really unique because the word trial there in the Greek means direct evil input. Okay, so about temptation here. Okay? No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God. Now, don't we do this? I mean, come on, when, when we're being tempted to do evil and we succumb, well, yeah, but God, see, it all started with our, our, our mom and dad in, in the garden. You know, you remember the story. Eve sees the fruit, says, yeah, it looks good. She takes a bite because God said not to. She takes a bite. Adam takes a bite. Oh, they realize they've sinned against God. They go hiding. God comes walking in the garden, you know, da, 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 da. Hey, Adam, where are you? He knew where he was. He wanted to make sure Adam knew where he was, and that is hiding. And so Adam goes out and says, hey, we're, we're like naked, and, and we, we know we shouldn't be that way, and so we're hiding. And God goes, well, who told you you were naked? Your parents can identify this. Have you eaten of that fruit? Yeah, yeah, I did. Adam and said, let me tell you a story, God. It goes like this. The woman... <laughs> Man, we've been blaming them ever since then. The woman, okay, gave me to eat. And let me remind you of something, God. Let's go over it again. Now, who exactly gave me the woman? Oh, that would be you. Am I right? Now, come on, come on. God, I was fine, okay? It's a little lonely at times. But it was nice in the garden. Could watch the Super Bowl, didn't worry about what my wife thought about that. You know, I could eat all the food I wanted. Why wasn't going to worry about it? It was a great life. And then you came along, you spoiled it, and you gave me that woman. Isn't it incredible how Adam turned it all around and said, God, it's your fault? And then God turns to Eve, and whose fault is that? Well, the Satan did. It's the devil's fault. 
And we've been blaming every sense. We find ourselves in situations and we say, yeah, God, but if you hadn't given me eyes, I wouldn't have looked. If you hadn't made me so incredibly good looking, she never would have asked. If you'd made me smarter, I wouldn't have to have cheated. If I hadn't had the flat tire, I wouldn't have had to, you know, like, is it sped or speed? I would, I would have been speeding and hope he wouldn't have pulled me over and now I earn $25 later, I'm poor. See, God, it's all you. And those are funny examples, but we do it, guys. We do it. God's not my fault. So, so James, understanding human nature, okay, says this. When, when you're undergoing a trial, you should never say, I am being tempted by God. And here's the reason why. For God is not tempted by evil. Literally in the Greek, that means he's untemptable. He's beyond temptation. And he will never tempt anyone to sin. Period. Never. The excuse doesn't work. It's just impossible. So then you say, okay, okay, okay. All right. If, if it's not God, then like, who is it? Now, now we, know, we know there's like temptation inside, temptation outside. And we know, we know that Eve was tempted by who? By Satan. You know, Satan comes along and says, did God really say you couldn't eat? We understand that. But really, where's the source at? Well, James says, ladies, you may pull out your compact. Guys, wait till you go to the bathroom and look in the mirror. Because the problem is not up there. And really, because you're a believer in Jesus Christ and God is greater than all, the problem is not there. The problem is here. Oh, boy, I want to hear that now. Now, I like blaming Satan. I, I, I look at him say, Satan. I look behind Satan, behind every bush. I mean, behind every bush, you know, he does this and he does that. And who am I? I'm just a weak human. You are not just a weak human if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a blood-bought, redeemed follower of Jesus Christ who has the victory over the, over the grave. You have victory over Satan. That's who you are. Don't let Satan tell you otherwise. I mean, come on. Sin is not your master. Because of this cross, sin is not your master. Well, Dwayne, how does it happen then? James says, well, let me tell you. It goes something like this. Verse 14. But every person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. In other words, even when we're redeemed, we have this old nature hanging around. And we look and we want we see and we want. It looks so alluring. You know, the thought that I can, I can save all my taxes if I don't. That, that I can have a date with him and my, my, my husband will probably not find out. You know, as an adult, you know, we know those sexual rules. They're not for adults anyway. They're just for teenagers. So, you know, if I want to have a you know, relationship on the side and... I want it. I want to do it. And then, and then, and then James says that, that after that, then after the desire has conceived, it brings forth what? Sin. We, we look, and that's what Eve did. Eve goes, you know, that is one fine-looking apple. Now, we know it probably was an apple. It was a piece of fruit. But we always say apple. That is one great apple. You know, I went to Kroger's today. And every other apple, no apple looked as good as that apple. 
I want that apple. And she picks it up and she eats it. So, so after the desire is there, after we had this desire and we do it, it becomes sin. And then we say, well, you know, no one's perfect. That's cool, except for sin. If you're a believer, sin's not your master. We aren't perfect. We never will be perfect. But as believers in Jesus Christ, there is a power that lives within us that we are overcomers of sin. I mean, I may look, but I don't have to do. I may want, but I don't have to take because I have Christ in my life. How incredible. And here's the part Satan will never tell you. James goes on and says this. He says, you know, you, you have, you're enticed by your own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it brings forth sin. And he wants to put a period there. And he will tell you, whispering your ear, no one's perfect. Everyone sins. But what Satan doesn't tell you is the rest of the verse. Is that when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. What sin touches, what sin touches, sin kills. What sin touches? He don't tell you that. You know, I was thinking, you know, I know it's the context is probably salvation. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But you know, it's true also in the, in the spiritual walk. That, that the wages, when we sin, it results in death. That's Moses. Now, I always thought it was kind of unfair of God. But the bottom line is, God's God and I'm not. You know, first off, Moses gets called to lead these people. Okay? And they were an ornery bunch. Okay? And so they were thirsty one time, and they seemed like they were constantly thirsty. And they had any water. So God says to Moses, Hey, Moses, I want you to, I want you to go over... I want you to speak to the rock. You got that, Moses? Yeah, speak to the rock. Yeah. And when you speak to the rock, water's going to come out. Got it, Moses says. He walks out there, and there's that rebellious bunch of people. And something swells up in Moses. And he goes, you rebels! I don't think God said to say that. I don't remember that in the story. You rebels! Must we... Aaron and Moses, must we bring forth water from this rock? And Moses takes his staff and smacks the rock. Now, smack starts with S, like speak, but it's not the same. And guess what? God still sends water. But you know what God says? Because you didn't obey me, actually said you didn't believe me, You'll be able to see the promised land. You won't go in. God, give me time out. Whoa. You mean I've got to lead these silly people around for 40 years? I didn't get the reward? No, you gave up the reward because you chose the junkyard. You disobeyed me. You didn't believe me. And frankly, I think he wanted credit for the deal because he said, must we bring forth? Oh, yeah, Moses, come on. Let's bring some water from the rock, God would say. Come on. God. And yet they claim credit for it. So Moses would tell you that sin cost me my biggest dream. I bet someone in this room today would tell you sin cost you your biggest dream. Saul, 
Saul was the first king. Saul can tell you about it. Saul was the first king. He was tall, you know, good looking, head and shoulders literally above all the other guys. But Saul just couldn't. He started out really humble. I mean, when they said, okay, is Saul here? No one could find Saul. He was hiding underneath the luggage. The future king of Israel. They drug him out and said, God said you're going to be the king. And he started out really good and humble. Then he got a little bit filled with pride. He decided to offer some sacrifices they weren't supposed to offer and some things like that. Finally, God said, enough. Number one, you've lost your dynasty. You've lost your legacy. I had it fixed so you'd have been on the throne. But because you chose the junkyard, your relatives will not sit on the throne. Oh, God, not fair. Not fair. Is there someone here in this room who say, you know what? Sin cost me my legacy. Sin cost me my legacy. See, whatever sin touches dies. Guys, please hear me today. The book of Proverbs says, Can a man take fire into his lap and not be burned? Satan won't tell you that whatever sin touches dies. But God will. He'll tell you the truth. Be careful. Be careful. Young people, please look up. Young people, look up. Be careful. You know, when, when it's, whether it's drinking or drugs or sex or whatever it is, Satan will tell you everybody does it. It's cool. You want to be popular? That's the way you get it. He won't tell you about the death part. How many young ladies, how many young men's total lives were changed because of sin? Smoked a little pot, got caught. Laurie couldn't get him off. Felony on the record. Misdemeanor on the record. Be careful. Be careful, because sin brings forth death. Now, he closes with what I call the conqueror's code. And this is also so strong. Here's what he starts out with. He he tells us his words in verse number 16. Don't be deceived, my dearly loved brothers. Don't be deceived. I'm going to tell you a really deep theological secret. You need to lean in. Everybody lean in. You're, You're not leaning. Satan is a liar. Can I have an amen? In fact, Jesus said, Jesus said, he's the liar and the father of it. When he, he, listen to these words. When Jesus said, when Satan speaks a lie, he speaks his natural tongue. He, he lies to you. So James says, don't be deceived. Don't believe the liar. Don't Don't think you're the one exception. Don't think you can get away with it. Don't think you're the one who it won't catch. Don't don't think you're the one that sin doesn't bring death. It does. It does. As an example, how many people do you personally know who have got out of this world without dying? I don't know anybody. You may live to be 95 or 100. Wilma Moore lived to be like 102. Or you may die young. No one gets out of this world. And you know why? Because of sin. Physical death came to this world because of sin. It's all around us. Whatever sin touches dies. So so he says, don't be deceived, my dearly loved brothers. Here's the truth about God. Now see, Satan will tell you these lies. 
Um, Satan's deprived, God's depriving you. God doesn't love you. God's not telling you the truth. Um, boy, sin is just like so much fun. It has no consequences. Um, no one will ever know. Your mom and dad will never find out. You won't get caught on and on and on. He said, here's the truth. Every generous act and every perfect gift is from above coming down from who? The Father of lights, God. With Him there is no variation or shadow cast by eternity. James says, again, the little brother of Jesus, James says, the truth about God is this. He is an incredible and generous and loving God. Just incredible. Just incredible. And if you ever doubt that, look at that. Look at that. This cross forever shouts through the ages that God says, I love you. This cross forever shouts that I am an incredible God who gave everything to redeem you. Don't ever forget that. I mean, when you're walking up to that door and it's got temptation written on it, you remember two things. There's a God who loved you enough to send His Son, Jesus Christ, and you've been forgiven and empowered by Him, and sin is not your master. You've got a choice. You've got a choice. And what's incredible, you know, sometimes I think we think like God had to. There had to be a cross because, you know, God created us, and so He thought obligation... Honey, it was an obligation. Come on. If you'd have been God and you invested all this in, in, in creation and Adam and Eve come along, you only got two to wipe out. Wipe them out and try again. Have Joe and Mary. You know, just pick a couple. He didn't do that. Look what he says in verse number, number 18. He says that by his own choice, he being God, by his own choice, he gave us a new birth by the message of truth. So that we would be the first fruits of his creation. Wow. By his own choice. God saw the mess that Adam and Eve had created and said, By my choice, I choose redemption. That's a good place for an amen. And here's what's really cool. Right now, if you're in the junkyard, God's message to you is redemption. That's no place for an amen. Yo, I know you guys. Y'all are perfect. Come on now. I always tell people, come join Dorsville. If you are a sinner, this is the church for you. Because we're about 350 sinners. But redemption is the message. Wow. Wow. Winner's way. I understand that faith stretched long results in a victory. That victory is Christ. And guess what? There's an abundant life. That thing you're craving is the reward. Don't be the loser's lamb. Yeah, but it's all God's fault. If he had he, but he. No. No, it's you. It's in your lap. The conqueror's coat. Our God is great and generous and wonderful. And I will not be deceived. Bought a friend with me today. Y'all remember my friend? Yeah. Here's my friend. <laughs> Buck! 
how to buck, y'all. Buck doesn't say a whole lot, but, but he, he really is special. He, by the way, in case you're wondering who's Buck, Buck came and saw us. I think one of the Baptist men's day, Buck came and talked to us a little bit. And uh, so he's come back today. And uh, so Buck, um, so buddy, tell, me what, tell us what happened. Well, you see, I got these, these antlers, almost in horns, but I've got these antlers here because, you know, I was a wise buck. I, I just refused, you know, when that old doe winked at me, I said, not you, baby. You ain't worth it. Well, one day, this incredibly good-looking doe came along. And uh, she winked at me really good. And you know, it was the fall season. Well, you know how that is. So I decided I would just kind of chase her a while. And you know what happened? Well, Chris Wallace was sitting in a tree. And unfortunately, this time he was a good shot. And I, and I fell over dead, and now I'm going to spend the rest of my time in Dorsville Baptist Church telling you you ought to be a winner and not a loser. Because I'm telling you, if you mess around with those, you're going to lose. On our lanes, it would be whatever sin touches, it kills. We laugh. But how many of us are mounted on Satan's wall because we chose death over life? How many? Now, if I had to look at you in the eye today and tell you it's all up to you, hopeless. Hopeless. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, it's not hopeless. It's Him. He has the power to live it through you. He has the power to keep you from ending up on a wall somewhere. He has the power to save your dream. He has the power to save your legacy. He has the power to save your character and future. And give you this incredible, abundant life. Now, God could, but I can't. I can't give Buck his life back. But I want to tell you something today. God can give you your life back. Amen? God can give you your life back. Today, if you're here today and, and you're here and, and you've, never, you've never come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You may try going to church and quit some habits and give some money and stuff. And you found out that didn't work. But today I want to tell you that's not how relationship with God is established. It's believing what, what Jesus did. When he died, he died for every man, woman, and child. And the entire wrath of God was poured on him that day. It wasn't a murder. It wasn't a melee. It wasn't crazy out of control. It was God's magnificent plan that we could be redeemed. And there's a lot of people, including this pastor, this speaker, who one day came to the conclusion that I was a sinner. There was nothing I could do about it. I believe that Jesus did die for my sin... And that he would forgive me if I asked him to. And I could come into relationship with God the Father. And for me that happened 37 years ago in 1975. And I, I can tell you this. Religion didn't work for me. And religion won't work for you either. Um, being good didn't work for me. And it won't work for you either. Um, but Jesus works. Because <laughs> he did it all. <laughs> Jesus works.
My friend Brent's going to be standing out front in just a moment. I know it's in front of a lot of people, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to bow their heads today, okay? So, like, you come down, and here's why. Not because, oh, you want to embarrass me. No. In fact, I'll tell you this. If you don't want to, do the, if you want to come out and find some answers here, I'll be back at the door, and Brent and Dave will be running around. Grab us, or grab a friend of yours and say, I want to know more about this Jesus guy, okay? We'll, we'll talk to you like that. But in case you want to come forward today in this service, we'll have everybody bow their head. And Dave, Brent's going to be down here, and some, some guys will be down here. And our sole purpose being here is to answer your questions about knowing Jesus Christ. Personally. So we're here. So we're here. So that's first. Secondly, there's a whole bunch of us in this room who are believers in Jesus Christ. We've made that commitment. Some of us spend some time in Victory Lane, and some of us spend too much time in the junkyard. But if I understand God's word correctly, we we received enough truth today to leave the junkyard and get in winter's way. Am I right? Because of Jesus Christ. My challenge, my appeal to you is to make a minute. Now, now, about this time, there's another voice you're hearing besides mine. And it's saying it won't work. You have been a failure and you will be a failure. This is one thing you cannot conquer in your life. Why even try it? Who's speaking that? Oh, that would be the liar who speaks his natural language when he speaks a lie. In a nice Christian way, tell them to get lost. And choose to believe the one who has never lied. Choose to believe Jesus today. You can do that there. You can do it here. And you say, Dwayne, is there a magic formula or some words? He's just saying, I believe who Jesus is. I'm a Christ follower. But I understand today that I can't live this Christian life. I can't keep the rules. But my Jesus can and I'm allowing him to live through me, which means I have a choice. And yes, tomorrow, when I'm tempted to flip somebody off in traffic, I'm going to say, No, sin, you're not my master. <laughs> and when your wife says, I don't know what That's not what I You go, No, I don't think so. Sin's not my master. Gavin, amen. And when your mama comes down on you, come on, when your mama and dad come down on you, you're going to say, No, I don't think so. Sin's not my master. And you know what you're going to find out? You're going to start living that way. And the old devil's come knocking. Ain't nobody home. Because guess what? Sin is not my master. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you're so good. And your word is so true. And Christ, you're so powerful. Thank you for these wonderful truths today. I pray, Father, first for my friends here today who may have never trusted you. And I know some of this may sound mystical and strange to them. But God, I know, and so many of us know, the power and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been changed. Not made perfect, we've been changed. And we know the power. So I pray for my friend here today. That if they've never trusted Christ, like today would be that day. Father, for our family, those of us who know Jesus. Oh, Father, how many times have I found myself in the junkyard again? Father, may we trust you. May our faith be stretched out today that we might believe. 
that you are all powerful and you want to live this out through us. I believe that. And Jesus, I pray that for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Make yourself big, Holy Spirit. We acknowledge that only you can do this. It's not the power of a pastor or a worship team. Only you can draw people and speak to people's hearts. I pray you'll find the environment today such that you can speak and you will draw. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.